0: Welcome, everyone, to today's devotion. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, with, with our goal in mind, we're, we're still going to do devotions even on holidays. Um, so, um, actually, it sort of works out well uh, that the text we have before us was a favorite of uh, those English Puritans, what we call pilgrims, and they were pilgrims, but they really uh, were English separatists, they were Puritans. And so they weren't seeking religious freedom for everyone, they were seeking their own way to express their religious beliefs. Um, and so they 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 uh, came over here on the Mayflower and the other ships, uh, it wasn't just the pilgrims, there were others that came with them um, and uh, started a colony there. Well uh, for the sake of time I want to be brief, it's a holiday, um, so, so I want to be brief and, and uh, this is the the end of 2nd Thessalonians so um we finished 1st Thessalonians on Monday uh, I've done all of 2 Thessalonians, and then tomorrow we'll start uh, 2 Peter. So we're looking at uh, three books in, in a single week. So again, to remind you, New Testament is not as as uh, daunting as we oftentimes make it. With that, I, I want to really highlight the middle section of this, so verses six to 13, uh, because Paul talks about an issue that he addressed very briefly in 1 Thessalonians, but now he must deal with it in, in greater detail, and that is the issue of idleness remember what we said then that work is a gift from God given to us by God uh, in in the garden so Adam Adam wasn't just given a large screen TV and uh, um, a uh, pass to watch every NFL game in the history of the world rather he was given work to do he was to work and to till the garden that's priestly work right we don't have time to get into all that but he's he's doing all of that and and uh, God declares it all good. After all, creation itself is the work of God. Jesus tells us that His Father is always working, and so Jesus must always be working the works of God, uh, right? So, so uh, the Protestant work ethic comes out of a biblical uh, worldview of of work, right? And and um, now work has been distorted because of the fall, and so it falls into two extremes. One is workaholism, where I our identity. Uh, becomes in work. And as a result of that, uh, other things suffer, uh, particularly family, marriages, relationships, faithfulness, discipleship, things like that suffer because we've, we've centered our lives around work. We do that with other things too. The other extreme is that of idleness to where we, we don't want to work. We want others to work for us. And that is a problem too. Idleness feeds covetousness. So, so what we say in our culture now is it's not fair that they have that and I don't. Well, well, that's reality, right? If 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 you want fairness, we would have never have been given Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the, the gospel would have never have been been our story. But idleness feeds these 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 spiritual um, um, issues. Uh, so Paul deals with it here. This is apparently was was a unique problem among uh, the the Thess- Thessalonians. Uh, I'm unaware of him really developing it in, in the other epistles. But in both letters, he addresses it in Second Thessalonians. One can almost assume that he's right in this, not only because others have spoken falsely in their name regarding the return of Christ, and also because maybe he's received word back that there are some among them that simply will not work. And so he says there starting in verse 6, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not in, a, in accord with the tradition you receive from It's fascinating, walking in idleness, right? Walking is work, but that's the only work they'll do is that of of idleness. They can't get off the couch. For 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor do we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Um, So what you have here, Paul would typically enter a, a community and he would have Um, a side job. He would be a bivocational church planter. And so while he was planting churches, his main profession, he was um, selling tents. He was a tent maker. We see him doing this. It's actually how he met uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Because they too were tent makers. So uh, Paul's main um, uh, market Uh, target would have been Roman soldiers which is a fascinating little detail Uh, and others of course but Roman soldiers were the ones usually in in need of of these tents he would make and so he would do that so that in planting the churches he wouldn't be a burden to them he didn't do with all the churches Uh, he apparently um, would do this with the Thessalonians where where he would not um, request some form of payment from the church. He didn't do it with the Corinthians, we talked about it there. But he seems to have done it uh, with other churches, Antioch, uh, uh, Philippi, I believe is one, and and others. Uh, and so, uh, Paul would just determine if this is an area that he should do this or, or not. And in Thessalonica, he he determined early on, look, I'm going to have to uh, demonstrate for them what hard work looks like and why it is good for, for the community. Um, Verse 9 says, It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So uh, again, Paul says the same thing in First Corinthians uh, and Second Corinthians, where, where it's not that he didn't have the right to, to be on the payroll of the church. It was rather that he, he saw that this was an issue early on. Uh, this is something that a good leader is usually able to do. Early on perceive, um, or at least have a good idea, where the, what the church is really struggling with. Um, and what are the real issues with, with individuals? Uh, um, one of the things I've discovered when you walk into a new church and, and everyone's excited, all that sort of stuff, you're going to get Chloe's people. Remember, we're talking about Chloe's people in First Corinthians 1. They're going to tell you everything wrong with the church, right? And if you just trust them, they'll tell you. But what, what, what a good leader, a good pastor, will be able to say is there's probably some truth there, but there's really something undergirding that. Uh, and, and a good leader will be able to anticipate. The root issues, and we'll hopefully be able to lead them um, to address them. Uh, verse ten: For even when we were with you, we would give you this command: If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now I mentioned the the pilgrims earlier, and and this was the verse that that really helped them survive um, because they they had some really 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 difficult years, and the experiment almost didn't work for them. Uh, many died. Uh, in those those first few years., uh, but one of the things they sought to do was have an egalitarian culture where uh, everyone shared with everyone. So so it didn't matter if if you produced, X amount of, of food, and your neighbor produced nothing because they didn't work, everyone got the same amount. Now other societies have tried this. Uh, this was a, an, uh, something that f- uh, the uh, fundamentalist Latter-day Saints have, have done, uh, and, and I, I believe they still do it even today. You go down to Short Creek, and um, where where some of this was done. Other groups have tried something like this. It was the idea of hippies also tried this. This has been, been around in history. But what the Pilgrims found was, their approach to the issue encouraged idleness. And this is the problem with um, um, I want to avoid positive. But this is the problem whenever we, 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 we try this at a national level, because you're encouraging some to work, while others not to work. Right, um, and and we're we're having this in in our country where you have um, uh, a number of people by whatever means, some legitimate, some not legitimate, are uh, realized that I can make more money not working than if I went to grab the first job I can find in town, um, and th- that's a problem too. So 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 there there it is struggle between a safety net, which I think can be a good thing and is a good thing, but also um, society should encourage, particularly men, to work provide for their family. There's something freeing about it. There's something good about it because we were made for work. And Paul says here that the general rule should be, if you're unwilling to work, you shouldn't be able to eat. Now, I don't think we should take that to extreme and hope people starve to death. But the principle is there, that, that there is an association between work and food work and basic necessities being met. Verse 11, for we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. And that, that is one of the problems there, is when we encourage idleness, we encourage uh, the negative things and the, the worst parts of our, of, of our nature. Um, whenever I talk to particularly young men who are struggling with purity issues, for, for example, one of the things I, I like to say is, why don't you get you another job? And if you're not working, go get you a job. <laughs> but the reality is, is that working keeps you, f- prevents you from doing a lot of other things. By the way, so does a wife and kids. All right? Um, and, uh, um, but when you're idle, your, your, your mind is gonna go places that it otherwise wouldn't be able to, and you're gonna find yourself engaging in activities that it would be better if you didn't engage in those. Um, so, so work does have a sanctifying effect to it. Uh, and that when you add wife and children to that, or spouse and kids to it, you realize you're not just working for yourself, you're working to meet the needs of, of, of other people. And so, so that is a selflessness that, that needs to be cultivated in, in the soul. So work has some, some sanctifying uh, things in it. Now verse 12, Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. I mean, it's pretty straightforward what the application here is. Uh, uh, it is the work. Blue collar, white collar, doesn't matter. Whether you're working with your hands or working with your mind, doesn't matter. Whether you sit behind a desk or, or, or um, in front of a tractor, doesn't matter. Uh, just work. And work hard and work well. And then notice what he does in verse 13. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Well, that means don't grow weary in, in doing good like in work. But also in general. So so what we really have here is a bridge from his exhortation regarding idleness and his exhortation uh, with, with his final, uh, as he always does, his final instruction, he does that. Do not grow weary doing good because chances are you might be at that point right now, you have been at that point right now, or you will be soon. I give and I go and I do, it isn't worth it anymore. No, don't grow weary in doing good. I want to point out one last thing, and then, then we'll be done. My goal was, was to be brief. I'm not going to be as brief as I'd as I hoped. Verse 16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Well, that's a good summary of what Paul wants out of this letter. right? Don't, don't grow alarmed from what it is that you've heard from, from others claiming to be from us or actually be in us. And work hard. And, and through that, uh, let Christ be your peace, not your wealth not 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 from a letter uh, not from politics let christ be your peace and what an encouragement that is for us this this thanksgiving let christ be your peace not the news not an election not the culture not a career let christ be your peace And can i add also here in verse 17 i paul write this grief in my own hand this is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. it is the way i write Paul, at times, would use the secretary uh, for his writing. And, and in Romans, we saw this when we went through Romans 16. He actually names his secretary, or his secretary identifies himself. I, Tertius, write this letter to you. Um, I can't remember what exact verse, but it's in chapter 16 of Romans. Um, but when his identity is an issue, Paul will at least sign the letter of not writing himself. Some believe that Paul had eyesight issues. Um, And I think that's probably, I think we'd be pretty certain on that. If you read Galatians, he says, see with large letters I write, I have to write this way. It's probably because of poor eyesight. Paul essentially says the same thing here. Remember in chapter 2, someone had written a letter um, claimed to be from Paul. And Paul says, you know this is genuine. It's got my seal. right? And also it has my signature. This is my handwriting. Uh, So Paul is having to, to deal with that. Well, I hope you guys have a great Christmas. (laughs) excuse me I thought I could uh, hold that out until uh, the end here but nevertheless have a good Christmas and let's conclude with Paul may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all see you Lord willing tomorrow